0: When I was in this space of like lightness, I had clarity mm. and I was able to discern between the ideal of and the potential that I saw in him in terms of who he could be mm. and who we could be together and the reality.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and that was really a confronting thing to do.
1: I'm Sarah Wyler, TEDx speaker, coach, and creative multi-passionate, and I'm fascinated
2: by how we navigate quitting. I'm Sarah Wyler, TEDx speaker, coach, and creative multi-passionate, and I'm fascinated by how we navigate quitting. Whether it's a project, a relationship, or where we live, the emotional turmoil of bringing something to a close can be deeply uncomfortable. In the past four years of research, I've come to see that knowing when to quit is really about getting to know ourselves. It's about becoming attuned to our bodies and the murmurs of our hearts and knowing what it feels like when something is complete. I'm so excited to share this podcast with you. It feels like exactly the right moment to be having these conversations. We're so afraid of quitting, yet it can be our greatest teacher. It shows us what's important to us, what our boundaries are, and what conditions we personally need to thrive in this lifetime. When we allow it, quitting really is the facilitator of joy. Hi everyone, today I have my good friend, wise wise woman and trainee art psychotherapist, Zyra Muggle on the show. She's gonna be sharing about her divorce, but more importantly, what happened after the divorce. This is such a powerful example of when you're in something, how hard it is to see an alternative. And yet Zyra is testament to a life after a divorce. It is incredible to see how she has embraced her new life with open arms and open heart. She's gone on to learn, to alchemize basically, what she went through to help others. And it, knowing Zyra today, I met her after, like years after this happened. It, it feels like a different person to the person she describes at the start of the episode. And it's just, I feel this is a really hopeful episode in terms of that sometimes we, we can really resist giving up the thing that we think we need to have. And yet there, it could be the biggest blessing. A warning that this is a tricky episode. We do talk about suicide and challenging relationships. And the second half is much more hopeful and positive. But I'm giving you a heads up about that content in case that's something that doesn't feel like you've got headspace for today. Thanks again, Zyra, for coming on the show i am so inspired to know you and to hear your story finally if you're enjoying this podcast and want to support us there's three ways you can do that firstly you can rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on that can help it get up in the charts and reach more people secondly you can share this episode with others and help spread the word and thirdly you can buy us a coffee at ko.fi.com forward slash sarah enjoy the episode
1: the leaves letting go. It's snowing. Exactly. exactly.
2: Here with Zyra Mughal. Is that how I say your name? I realise I've known you for ages and I've never actually said your name out loud.
0: That's okay, Zyra Muggle. Muggle, yeah. oh course. Yeah. Like, like in Harry Potter? Yes. The Muggles, I get that all the time. Oh,
2: sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're sat in my flat and we're going to have a conversation. We couldn't do this on Zoom the other day because there was drilling so loud in my flat that it would have been really bad. And then we were like, maybe it's meant to be. Yeah. So. We're trusting, trusting the drilling, (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, we're going to see how this is to have an intimate chat, IRL. Mm -hmm. How are you today, Zyra?
1: Oh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling really good. The walk that we went on around your house, the wetlands, has just really calmed and soothed my soul, so I feel really grounded.
2: And we're here to talk today about a time that you walked away from something. And it is a very... I'm really grateful that you've agreed to share this on the podcast. And... I'm wondering if we start with... How you're feeling about talking about it.
0: (laughs) Um... I'm feeling okay and nervous too,
1: Mm.
0: you know? um, I think I'm just gonna, I feel like I want to name the elephant in the room in terms of what the it Mm. is. And the it is uh, my marriage, you know? Um, And I quit this marriage or got divorced eight years ago. And Mm. so I do feel that enough sort of time has gone by um and i feel like i really have healed from that time and so from that perspective i feel comfortable talking mm. about it because it was just such a pivotal huge <laughs> moment in my life and um yeah there's a lot that i've i've learned from that and lessons that i've carried forward and yeah so from that perspective i feel you know absolutely fine talking about it and yet i'm nervous too because this is the first time that Mm. i've spoken about my marriage in such a
2: sort of public way Mm. you
0: know and um i do feel a bit of butterflies around that
2: yeah thanks for, for well thank you for opening up about it and i know that it will help a lot of people who are possibly also sitting with this what I still feel is a taboo. Yeah. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah,
0: it is still. I think there's been a lot of progress, for, at least from when I got divorced until to to where we are today. And it's really sad to also say that out loud that a lot, at least I know a lot more people that have been divorced since. Yeah. And it's becoming more acceptable compared to a lot of the shame mm. that i had
2: felt and that i experienced so do you want to take us back to i guess it was a bit earlier than eight years ago yeah. like do you want to set the scene for <laughs> yeah where you were what you were doing in your life yeah absolutely so
0: i had moved to dubai so i'd graduated from university in the uk when i was 21 and i moved to dubai at that time I had just started my career. I was working in um, events, communications, marketing. And I met a gorgeous guy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we we dated um, for a couple of months, actually. And every ounce of my being knew that he was the one for me. Mm. And so when he proposed to me at, gosh, I was... 23 Mm. you know and I know now like whoa that feels really young but it felt really right Mm. you know uh, for many reasons on the one hand prior to you know me being in a relationship with him you know I'd been single for um for five years you know I wasn't compared to a lot of like my sisters my cousins my friends who went from one relationship to another that was never really me and so when I met Mustafa it really felt like This is the man who um, I want to spend my life with. And, you know, also in terms of getting married that young, that was normal in both of our cultures. You know, I come from a sort of mixed ethnicity, Pakistani, Iranian, Kenyan family. And my mum got married when she was 17. So um, yeah, when he asked me to to marry him, it was an immediate full body yes. And we were together, Uh, we were married for six years. And, you know, five and a half of those years were happy. And um, yeah, we had six months of um, just a real sort of unravelling of our relationship. And after those six months, we called it quits. But that was a really difficult, it was a really difficult time, Um, essentially. You know, we were both sort of early on in our careers, you know, in our 20s. He was five years older than me, but we were we had our up and down moments in our in our careers. And he made a decision to leave his job, to start a business, the business um, essentially it didn't succeed as quickly or as well as he wanted it to Mm. and so I became the financial breadwinner and you know worrying about money puts a strain on any marriage but in addition to that there was a lot that we were both grappling with but also he was grappling with a lot of pressure too Mm. around what does it mean to be a man and the man being the breadwinner and you know he felt emasculated by me you know as much as I tried to not make him feel you know less than he was struggling mm. and you know ultimately there's two people in a relationship two people have a large role to play in the success or, or failure of a relationship I can see now that he was really really struggling you know there was a lot of inner turmoil a lot of wounds Mm. around his upbringing a lot of trauma and he was also raised to believe that men don't cry and men don't have feelings you know and that was what we're talking 2009 2010 Mm. so you know over 10 years ago where people weren't talking about their mental health no you know we weren't as open about it compared to how we are today, and today there's still a lot of stigma, but, you know, back then he was really, um, sort of closed, and so he was alone in, Mm. you know, in his, in his challenges, as was I, and unfortunately, you know, he didn't have the support around him to be able to, you know, feel what he's feeling, process what he's feeling, help him to navigate it, and so... He took it out on me, and there was a lot of um, resentment towards me, in terms of my, the success that I was going through with my new business that I had started, and, um. Yeah, it was. Uh, it became really toxic. Yeah, you know, and there was a lot of betrayal, and, those six months where we really unravelled you know they were really painful like to this day that period of my life was the darkest that I've ever been through yeah and I was alone too Mm. you know and I I also didn't share with my friends with my family what was going on I, gosh, I think a lot of it was unconscious fear, you know, on the one hand, the sort of role that I really played, you know, in my family, with my friends, my community, and I still play that role today, is I'm the strong one, you know, I'm the one who's um, got it together, people come to me Mm. for advice for support you know I give a lot of my energy away and I find it difficult you know to ask for help again today it's a different story compared to who Mm. I was then but at that point it was difficult for me to open up I'd also been sort of raised to keep your issues to yourself I was also fearful of um sharing with people that potentially my marriage is failing. There's a lot of um, shame in my culture when it comes to people getting divorced. You know, I'd witnessed that even through my own parents and their separation, and how they chose to stay together, you know, in a, what was then a toxic relationship mm. because of the fear around what would other people yeah. say, what would other people think. and as a Muslim family, mm. they were concerned about um, Muslim family with three daughters, right? I've got two sisters. Their concern was um, that no one would want to marry us, you know, if, if we had divorced parents. Oh, wow. Mm. And even when they did separate, it was also um, like a big secret, you know? Within the larger sort of family, it was the thing that we knew, but it was the unspoken, situation you know it was never named that actually or acknowledged that you know my parents are divorced and living in separate homes and so on so I had a lot of um a lot of like fear you know around that and also I'd been shown that you you suck it up yeah (laughs) you know that every relationship is not perfect you know and you work through it and, and that's just it. In those six months, along with the betrayal and all of the just really mean, unkind things that I experienced, I was still trying to fight for our marriage, you know? Yeah. I really believed in us. And I wasn't ready to just walk away. I When I made those... When I made made those vows and that commitment, mm. you know, I went into this marriage thinking that this is the person that I'm going to be with for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah.
2: Did it even cross your mind that you might leave the marriage? No. Okay. No. So when did it cross your mind? Um
0: there were were moments of this might end, but also in that period, these kind of like six months and the unravelling, I was an absolute mess. Mm. And um, I was literally like the shell of a woman, of the woman that I am today, you know? And because of what was happening, I was so insecure felt so broken and at the same time of this sort of like unraveling with my marriage I'd also landed a really really important project um, for my new business that I had just launched and so I was traveling all the time I was working non and I went into robot mode mm. where I was just um, you know a high functioning depressed person, and I got on with life you know, and I was actually waiting for um this project to end for me to come back and you know be grounded, be in the same city country, be in the same space with my husband, where we could actually like talk about and for me to have the space to deeply think through and feel through what is it that I truly mm. want and um I didn't get that opportunity because this project ended and, you know, the universe works in very mysterious ways um, and the day that I came back um, from travelling, he left me. Mm. You know? And so it felt like, actually, that the choice was taken away from me. and. Um, even when he left, you know, and this is just a reflection of actually how mentally unwell I was, um, I didn't tell anyone. And I carried on. Life is normal. You know, I went to work, I was out with my girlfriends, making excuses for where he is and why he's not with us for din- at dinner and so on, because I was also second guessing
2: has he actually left or is he going to come back? Like, at that point, was he calling a divorce? Or what, what did you think he was doing? At
0: that point, yeah, he was, he was calling a divorce because this is um, this sort of six-month period that I, I keep referring to, this unravelling. It started with him, out of the blue, asking me for a divorce. And that is what had initially blindsided me. Oh, he'd already asked for a divorce? He had asked me for a divorce, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So five and a half years into the marriage, out of the blue, he asked me for a divorce. And um, the reasons that he gave me for wanting a divorce were... I just... I couldn't understand them, you know? And that was also a, a large part of me wanting to heal the marriage and searching for answers Mm. in those six months I didn't have the clarity around what is actually going on with him you know and he wasn't able to share with me what was going on with himself Mm. because he didn't understand it either and so he acted out
1: Mm.
0: you know and later um you know after our divorce and so on like he had admitted to me that he didn't have the courage to leave You know, and he was waiting for me to do it, thinking that these unkind acts... Oh, wow. Yeah. Pushing you. Yeah, pushing me out.
2: So he asked you for a divorce out of the blue. Yeah. And then what did you respond in that moment? Shock. Lots and lots and lots of questions.
0: I just couldn't understand it. You know, he'd say, I'm not happy. What does that even mean? You know, and the reasons that he gave me, I mean, gosh, they really broke my heart because, you know, he had said to me, you haven't given me a child. And, you know, we're living in the UAE. Um, if you get pregnant, there's no sort of maternity leave, there's mm. no support. And so you need to be financially stable. And at that point, I was the breadwinner. And so... That wasn't an option. Yet mm. he knew how much um, I wanted a child, you know, and I was really ready mm. um, to be a mother. Um, you know, reasons like he don't speak French. <laughs> and I mean, he was a French speaker. Right? He was a, a French, French speaker. Just to, yeah. Why
2: don't you speak Japanese? <laughs> Why <don't> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> but mm. yeah, I mean you know, you married a British woman. Mm. And we're living in the UAE. Mm. You know, we're not living in France. And so when I went out of my way to take French lessons, which I did, um, I was never supported by him. Mm. You know, I'd come home wanting to practice French and he wouldn't speak French Mm. with me. You know, and so there were just reasons that I just couldn't, I couldn't accept that. Yeah. As a reason for wanting to end the marriage, and so for a long time it was me trying to, trying to make sense, you know, trying to talk to him, um, you know, saying let let's get help, let's mm. go and speak to a therapist, and it was always met with no and a and a block and a refusal, and um, you know he he changed too, you know, mm. um, but I was trying to hold on, and in that entire time I blamed me yeah you know I was the one that was to blame that wasn't good enough that wasn't worthy you know and with his betrayals
2: when you say betrayals
0: he cheated on me Mm. in many in different ways and um, it turned me into a paranoid, insecure wreck to the point where, you know, when it really got to the peak and I had been giving and giving and giving all of my energy to him and trying to understand and trying to make my business succeed, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good daughter, friend, sister, just all of the pressures of life and, you know, this man who I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, he didn't want me. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, at at one point, like I I was tired, I was exhausted and I didn't see a life without him. And I tried to take my life. Mm -hmm. because I was just the weight of it all and the loneliness and feeling like I had failed and all of my self-worth, it was wrapped up in this man's opinion of me. Ah, oh. And so when he did, when he did leave and There was a moment where it felt like okay actually this is it he's not going to come back and there was this acceptance of like okay this is happening i cannot deny the relief that flooded through my being it was just this weightlessness you know this lightness and um You know, I listened to that. Yeah. I really listened to that. And, you know, that's also what had been happening during those six months as well. You know, my every time that I had sort of like caught him out, it was my intuition that Mm. led me to it. And so I'd started listening, you know, and trusting. And so when I felt this weightlessness, I listened to it too. And, um, when that had happened and there was enough sort of space and distance and um, I was able to get over the initial shock Mm. and just process those real like heavy emotions around what is going on here. And um, I kind of accepted Um, that this is it, Mm. and I recognised, actually, how he had been a weight Mm. in our marriage and how it had felt to me like, you know, I had given and given and given all of my energy to him throughout our marriage, but I actually, I never got Mm. any support in return. You know, it was so unequal. And he was this rock that I was trying to, like, push and, like, pull behind Mm. me, you know? Um, And when I was in this space of, like, lightness, it's almost like I was able... I had clarity. Mm. And I was able... To discern between the ideal of and the potential that I saw in him in terms of who he could be mm. and who we could be together and the reality.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? And that was really a confronting thing to do. And yeah, it had to happen like yeah. radical honesty, yeah. conversation, truth with myself. Yeah. the marriage it didn't actually feel like it was a choice that was available to me like it was an option available to me you know I pride myself on my loyalty
1: okay you
0: know I pride myself on like being able to get through the hard stuff I think I was fearful of being labeled a failure Mm. you know you failed at this it's my
2: fault how did you feel when it ended? You know, I was, I was
0: absolutely devastated and heartbroken initially. And again, being honest with myself, in my heartbreak and in my devastation, what I grieved more was the idea of this family mm. that we were on the track To creating, you know, that was part of our plan. Next year, we're going to buy the house and try for a baby. And I was grieving that child, you know, more so than actually grieving him. And that in itself was information. Wow. You know. You were holding on to that reality. Yeah. I didn't feel like this is going to be, um, this is going to dictate now the rest of Mm. my life, you know. In actual fact, part of that initial sort of my healing process around you know accepting accepting that it's it's ended we've separated you know accepting that um accepting who he is and the reality of like his actions his behaviors his 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 feelings his you know his thoughts um from that point i kind of again, going back to what I said about my self-worth was wrapped up in him. Mm. And I felt like this man is not choosing me. And so I'm gonna choose myself.
1: Mm.
0: And so what actually happened is I decided, I made a choice that, you know, and my spirituality and my faith played a big part in this too in the sense of, I really truly believe that everything happens for a reason and you may not know it, in the moment, why? Mm. But the reason why will reveal itself in time and that, that belief really gave me the strength, again, to just accept what's happening and make a choice. You know, am I gonna essentially sit here and wallow and blame myself and question why me Or am I going to learn to love myself? And that's what I did. And that is the the best gift I could have given myself.
2: How did you learn to love yourself?
0: You know, I'm so blessed with incredible um, sisters, soul sisters, a community. And when I had accepted that we've separated and I told, you know, my my dear girlfriends. Um, One of my friends uh, took me out of the country and said, you know, you need a change of scenery. And we went to this um, beautiful um, retreat centre in um, Cyprus. And there were all these different types of uh, meditations and alternative healing modalities I'd never experienced before, but I was just so open (laughs) to let me try anything. Mm. And um, one of them, it was a heart chakra Mm. session. And we sat down and we put our hands on our hearts and we said out loud to ourselves, I love me. And that is what sparked, you know, my decision to learn to love myself again. You know, it was really an awakening of my heart, Mm. you know, self-love.
2: And I love that, that you're, because of the breakup, your friend took you on a retreat and that's where you discovered that. And sometimes we have to go to those dark places to be... To be looked after yeah. by those around us, and that's where we often find the real help we need, or the book that we get given, or the the, the song that we get told about. You know, it's there is medicine around.
1: Oh, exactly exactly to
0: it took me a month to then tell my parents, and um, yeah, they were really. They were hurt. They were upset. My um, my mom, my sister, they came out to Dubai, you know, to come and see me, and I think they had the expectation that they were going to cheer me up. But mm. I didn't need cheering up, you know, because I really, um, yeah, you felt good. I felt good. I felt that lightness. Wow, you know, and that's just something that I I couldn't deny, you know that this actually this marriage was incredibly draining mm. you know and he didn't bring out the best in me and he had dimmed my light yeah you know i had, i'd heard the sort of like the cliche before around oh i didn't recognize myself when i looked in the mirror but that was exactly it mm. i didn't recognize myself like who is this you know insecure paranoid anxious depressed wanting to end her life woman like that is not me you know but i was so far in it that i I needed that space mm. to be able to get out and yeah you know from things like going to this retreat and actually telling myself i love myself and then you know there were all these rituals that i started doing you know, I would, I would, I would write down the reasons why I love me.
1: Mm.
0: Affirmations. And I would read them out to myself every single morning. You know, to remind myself of who I am. Mm. Because it's almost like that's why I'd lost.
2: Yeah. You know? And was, that, was it there at the start of the marriage? Because you said for five years you were in a good place. Like, when you look back now. Yeah. Were they good years? yes. And no, Mm. you know,
0: yes, in terms of, gosh, you know, one of the reasons why I fell in love with him, he was so fun Mm. and he would make me laugh and he loved music and he'd love to dance and he had this real Mm. zest for life, you know, and this playful, charming um, energy about him where he would make people feel like they are the center of his world you know he was such a good people person Mm. and we had some incredible adventures around the world and you know when it was when it was good it was great and yet those moments of where you have to do life together Mm. you know be an adult um, there were a lot of those red flags which in the moment of being in the marriage, I chose to ignore. The choice that I made to learn how to love myself allowed me to really listen to my heart, you know, and um, what I realised that at that age, at 29, you know, I had been living a life that I thought was successful based on the expectations of my family and of society. And so I was on that track, yeah. you know, have the career, get married, buy a house, have a baby, all of these things. And... Um, I recognised that that wasn't success for me, but I didn't know what success for me was. And yet, listening to my heart, you know, I started listening to the fact that I was unhappy in my career. Yeah, You know, it may have looked successful to a lot of people from the outside, and yeah, I was doing really well, but I didn't feel fulfilled, Mm. you know? And again, there was a radical truth conversation where at that point um, the circumstances were so that I was able to sort of sell back the shares of my business to my business partners and to take a break. And funnily enough, I actually, when I made that decision, I didn't have a plan of what was going to come next. Um, And I had a dream, (laughs) and in my dream, I recognise it now as as a premonition, but ultimately in that dream, I saw myself travel, mm. and the next morning, it was like, wow, you know, a seed had been planted that actually, I've got, for the first time in my life, I've got nothing that is sort of um, attaching me to this city, like, I am free, you know, um, and so I made the decision to take, a, take some time out, and, um, you know, I was really listening to that calling of um, fulfilment, Mm. Where did you travel? Um, I backpacked for a year um, from in South and Central America, so from Chile, I went all the way up to Mexico and um, yeah, I mean the, the initial sort of purpose for that travel was for me to be of service you know, it was for me to give back um, and that really has also a lot to do with sort of my dark time of um when I attempted to take my life you know um part of my healing was just this knowing this knowing that like I am here for more Mm
2: -hmm. I am
0: here for a reason there's a reason my soul is on this earth and um I didn't have you know I had lots of questions and no answers and so on the one hand I went to, um, to, 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 to be of service and I volunteered in Argentina where I got to like build um, an after-school care center for children and you know we created a playground out of um, used tires Aww. and you know to even be physical mm. and like use my hands and be away from my laptop was so healing and, um, and I did a couple of other projects so that was one reason and the other reason was to um to yeah, deepen my relationship with myself. You know, and really figure out like who am I and what's important to me? What are my values? And that year was really a reset mode. Gosh, I mean it was such a paradigm shift mm. in in like so many ways, so many areas of of life. Um actually what I learned about myself was that i have this ability to connect with people Mm. and i learned about the power of authenticity and actually speaking your truth um because you know at that time i'm traveling and by myself i'm meeting lots and lots of people so i was actually never alone and um, I also recognize, like, these are strangers, right? So I can, they, they have no, they don't know who I am. Mm. And um, I have no fear around potentially being judged by them. And so I was really an open book, mm. you know, with sharing what I'd experienced with my marriage and my divorce and my reasons for being in this country mm. in this moment, you know? And I realised how, um, you know, my vulnerability and my authenticity
2: um, was an invitation for others to show up in the same way. And I also hear that you got to talk about it over and over again, which must have been healing in itself. Yeah. To just be like, hey, this is what's happened. Yeah. And how did people tend to react when you shared that you'd got divorced?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people... um, you know, they sort of admired my courage and my right. bravery, you know. That's cool. Yeah, so it was um, it was great to be to, to to sort of have that response and to receive that mm. feedback. Although I wasn't looking for it either.
2: No, sure. You know? But um, you know, your fear of being seen as a failure yeah. did not did not come true. Yeah, it absolutely didn't. Yeah.
0: And in actual fact it was really like I'm 29 and at that point when I when I traveled I was 30 and it was like right Mm -hmm. I had this sense of lightness and freedom and you know I am so um blessed and grateful to have this opportunity to start again yeah you know but start from the perspective of me and what's important to me and what my values are and what to also understand what is it that I'm truly passionate about and You know, what are my gifts and and how can I use them to give back to
2: the world, you know? Mm. I do just hear so much aliveness as you talk. (laughs) Like just seeing the contrast when you described the moment you wanted to take your life and you didn't even recognise yourself.
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) Having now had a divorce how has that impacted your confidence to walk away from things that aren't serving you
0: yeah i mean it's it's given me a lot more confidence in the sense of i know myself and i am able to trust myself you know and that's the journey that i've been on since then is just really deepening my own Mm. trust within myself and there's a lot of um patterns Mm. you know that I recognized um patterns that I had created that I was in um and also yeah being able to know in a bodily sense what it feels like when something feels wrong or off or draining or Mm. taxing you know and not right, not in alignment with who I am and and my values. And so, of course, you know, no one's one's perfect. And um, there've been situations where, you know, I've been in um, other partnerships, not in a romantic sense, but sort of business relationships, Mm -hmm. where the same pattern that I experienced with my ex-husband, where I saw his potential, you know uh-huh. and chose to ignore the reality of who the person is versus who I want them to be and you know um I had been in a similar situation many times mm. since then but then the difference was I was able to recognize that pattern and those um and so the the time it took yeah for me to have then a radical truth conversation with myself um was 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 less you know it's yeah. shorter And, you know, it gave me opportunities to also um, unpack that pattern, you know, understand myself deeper around what is this, you know, cycle that's sort of reoccurring in my life and what is it that I need to to learn. And, you know, a lot of it was around self-confidence and having belief in myself and, you know, fears of being alone and thinking that I'm not good enough and so on.
2: Yeah, and I like what you say about it. It's not necessarily that we won't repeat the patterns. We'll just notice them more quickly yeah. and be like, oh, it's this again. Okay. Yay. And yeah, have the conversation early. I always like, want to get to the point where if someone's listening, who is in any situation, but maybe particularly a relationship that is feeling hard to leave or isn't serving them like what advice do you have
0: I mean first and foremost who is that person that you can that you trust that you can reach out to Mm. to actually share how you're feeling you know because sometimes when we're when we're so in it and we feel stuck our perspective can be quite narrow, mm. you know? And so being able to just share openly, deeply, like how you're truly feeling, you know, with um, a trusted person whose who's, who's wisdom that you value too um, can be really, really healing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, again, having a honest conversation with yourself around um you know the quality of your relationship
1: Mm.
0: you know and the things that you feel you are deserving of you know what are your needs and are these being met Mm. in the relationship
2: yeah and it strikes me that often people realize their needs aren't getting met but they don't feel they're allowed to ask for more. Yeah. Would you say that's something you see? Obviously, you're now trained to be a psychotherapist, (laughs) which is really exciting. Like, what do you... From your psychotherapist hat, what do you see in that situation? Maybe the one you went through or, like, similar ones for others? Yeah, that actually
0: people um, in their relationships it comes down to actually communication,
1: mm.
0: you know, um, and being able to share openly, honestly, how you're feeling about whatever the situation is with your partner. Mm. You know, I think that's the, the first permission mm. um, that we have to, to give ourselves. And oftentimes that's what a lot of people struggle with, you mm. know. We're not really taught how to, how to feel and how to express our emotions, you know, but that is, that's healthy. Um, and there's a lot of, um, I guess there's a lot of games that we play in relationships and a lot of assumptions that we make, you know, and we live in our heads a lot. And so, you know, a little molehill can turn into a mountain because of the stories that we tell ourselves about what the person is thinking or feeling mm. and therefore we react to that story, which is imaginary, as opposed to sort of naming, you know, how we, feel, how we feel and having curiosity towards our partner too. You know, what's going on for you? How do you feel? You know, what are you thinking? Mm. And hopefully having a partner who is able to meet you where you're at in terms of that openness.
2: I'd love for you to share a bit about what you're up to now and especially like if people wanted to work with you because I've worked with you and you're an incredible, incredible art therapist, coach, healer, (laughs) wonder woman and yeah I'd love to just for you to give you know just give you some time to share what you're up to.
0: Yeah thank you so much for the space I really, I really appreciate you Sarah. Um, Yeah I mean I am a a trainee art psychotherapist at the moment so I'm doing a, a master's And I'm working as a um, therapeutic arts coach. And so um, I essentially support people with different areas of their life, whether it's personal, you know, um, relationships, their career, but any area that they feel that they're stuck in. Mm. And, um, you know, I support them to really think through what is that, vision of fulfillment you know from your perspective what it is that you're you're dreaming up and what gives you that energy of aliveness Mm. and um, what I love about using the arts in that process is because the arts are essentially a pathway straight into our unconscious straight into our core beliefs Mm. you know and it's those core beliefs around you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable, and so on, that's what drives and influences how we think, how we feel, and how we behave, Mm. and so my work is really transformative in the sense of we tap into what those beliefs are, and we work on reprogramming them.
2: Mm. Amazing, and um, I'll put all of Zyra's um, bits and bobs in the show notes, so you can find out How
1: to
0: work with her. Quit! It feels really liberating. It feels really liberating um, to have this space to speak my truth and not be ashamed of it, actually. Mm. Because what I've experienced is what a lot of people around the world have experienced and um, there's nothing wrong with it, you know? Um, Ultimately, the way that I see my experience is that it's part of, you know, my growth, Mm. the evolution of my soul, you know? And and, and that's um, actually also a big lesson around Mm. um, being in a a partnership with someone, you know? Um, What I learned in terms of my relationship with my ex-husband, is that I was in this process of of growth and um, I wanted to invest in myself, I valued myself and he was in a place of
2: stuckness,
0: you know, and um, it's something that
2: I value in relationships moving forward. I have one more final question, which is having broken that cultural taboo with your family, did it liberate you to also break other taboos? (laughs) Or cultural expectations.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do feel like the role that I'm, I'm playing now within my family is of a, of a cycle breaker. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that, you know, um, there's a lot within our culture, um, that is incredibly oppressive, you know, and there's lots that, um, like, you know, bless my parents. I absolutely love them and they did their best. They mm. really did. And this is not about blame. And yet there were, we were raised in 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 ways that weren't always the healthiest. You know, we had a lot of limitations um, that were placed on us, mm. you know, and even the fact of me getting married at the age of 23, because that was almost like the purpose Mm. you know of a woman you know is to get married and to be in service of her husband right that's the kind of conditioning culturally that I've come from yeah and so even within you know my my family my this generation of me and my cousins and so on that sort of um the age which was at the age of 20 you know let's start looking for her husband has completely changed, mm. you know, even in the, within these last 10 or 15 years. And now it's like, are you kidding me? No one's getting married until they're in their 30s, you know, Yeah, yeah. until you've actually had a chance to experience life yeah. and understand yourself. Um, so there's a lot of um, unlearning that's happening, you know, within my family. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm playing a big role in healing, Mm.
2: In that sense. The drum, the Thank you so much, Sarah. Let the waters wash. Let them wash over you. Let the waters wash. Let them wash you. you. Let the waters wash. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Knowing When to Quit. To find out more about Zyra's work, you can visit zyramughal.com. That's Z A I R A M U G H A L. And her Instagram is at Arthealing with Zyra. All of this is in the show notes as well. If you've enjoyed the episode, please share it with others, give us a review or rate it, and come and say hello at Knowing When to Quit on Instagram. Have a great day. See you next time.
1: Oh Of the drum, the beating of the drum, the beating of the the like, the beating of the drum, the beating of the drum, the beating of the drum, the beating of the drum.